If you have your Bible, I'd like you to turn to 2 Peter. Now, in case you've not read 2 Peter for a while, find the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible, and work towards the front, and you'll bump into 2 Peter very quickly. Okay. When Paul was talking to Timothy um, in another epistle, he said to Timothy... When the accusation was made that Timothy was young, he said, let no man look down on you because of your youth. Now, I'm not sure how old Timothy would have been at that time, but some felt he was too young for the ministry. And Paul gave him some advice. And one of the things he said was this, let let all men see your progress. So God's not expecting perfection. That's going to happen when Christ returns. But he is looking for progress in our ministries. And I'd like to encourage not only the graduates, but all who are Christians here this evening, and those who aren't Christians, I'd like to encourage you as well, um, to, uh, first of all, for you to put your faith in Christ, but to encourage you to make progress. The moment you feel you're the finished article as a minister or whatever you're doing, I've got a feeling that you're finished. It's downhill after that. We have to be constantly making progress whatever our age whatever our background whatever title we may hold I think there is an expectation from God that we still want to make progress in our walk with God in our relationships with one another and in our knowledge of scripture so with that in mind I'd like to just turn to second Peter and chapter one I'd like to read some verses I'm going to read from verse three his divine power has given us everything we need for life, for godliness through a knowledge of him who has called us by his glory and goodness. Through these he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them we might, might, might participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Just in this portion, there's another little bit I'd like to look at. We find there that Paul tells us there's three things we have as Christians. We're not waiting for them to arrive. We're not seeking them. We have them. Then later on, I'd like to look at some things Paul says that we need to add to this list. And it's very simple. First of all, in verse 3, his divine power has been given to us. Now, we're not waiting for that to arrive. We need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit daily, constantly. So the Bible speaks in Ephesians about being, being filled with the Spirit. But this is something that the Christian has. He has divine power. His divine power has been given to us. So whether we're graduating or we've been Christians for a long time, we must always remember this, that when we're facing a challenge, we're doing something for him, we have his divine power with us. We're not alone. And so that's something that you have, something you can rely on. Uh, You don't have to pray about getting it. If you've received Christ, you've received his divine power power and then in verse 4 he speaks there through these he has given us very great and precious promises that through them you may participate in the divine nature now we don't have the divine nature because that we're not divine but we can we can participate in the promises and the power and the purposes of God in the divine nature and the thing that we've received there is this he has granted to us very great 
promises. I just love the way very great, no, no, very great and precious promises. Now they're ours in Christ. We don't have to pray for them. They're our promises in Jesus Christ. What we have to do is find out what they are and then apply those promises to the situations we face. So you've already got the divine nature through Jesus Christ, through the new birth. We have the promises which are great and precious. In other words, they're not to be, to be treated cheaply. You know, there's something that's precious and something that's important to us. And those promises are yours. They're yours as you graduate. They were yours before you graduated and they're still yours now. The divine nature through Jesus Christ, the power of that great divine nature and also his promises. And then thirdly, he speaks there about um, participate, partake, partakers pardon me get the right teeth in partakers in the divine nature we are able to look to Christ and look for God's strength and God's character to come and his nature to be part of our Christian life so we've got them very simply let me repeat we have his divine power we have his great and precious promises and we are partakers in the divine nature we have been born again of the spirit of God we have been adopted into the family of God through a work of the Holy Spirit and then in verse 5 he says these words now you think that would be enough we could almost stop there but he doesn't stop there Peter he says for this very reason and the very reason is that we have to escape the corruptions in the world so he's saying these are things you've got but we're still in a corrupt world now there's some things to be supplemented those things are yours but there are some things that it's your responsibility to add to them. And he comes in, he says these, um, what these things are. Pardon me, I'm just moving on. Verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. So he says you've got faith, the divine nature, you've got the promises, you're partaking in this, the divine power, pardon me. But he says I want you've got to add these things to it. Um, Years ago, if you were buying a car, you might say, well, would you like air conditioning or a sunroof? There was a choice. Now you've got air conditioning probably and a sunroof. Do you want this gadget? Do you want that gadget? And there was like a selection you could choose. Well, I'll have four wheels rather than three or whatever it was. Depending if you could afford four wheels, that is. You know, lots of choices. And you could have add-ons that would be added on. And Paul's saying, listen, there's things that you can add on. But they're your responsibility to get them. The first three, God's given. These things are that you have to add on. In other words, if you don't do it, they're not going to arrive. So let me very quickly run through them. Let me cheer you up. There's seven of them. Okay. The first one, he says there, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. Now, if you have the authorised version, it probably says virtue. And it's a strange word there. It is a, it's a found, it's, it means, oh, listen to this, manly strength which inspires resolute action. It carries with it the idea of excellence, goodness. So we know that's something we have to be added on to us. We, we pray, we seek God that we might indeed have virtue or goodness in our lives our salvation we have been sanctified in Christ we have been renewed in Christ but you and I know that the new birth did not take away the challenges that we face in our 
walk with him. And so the first thing he says, I want you to add to your faith goodness. Now, it's hard to measure goodness um, in that way, but I think you might know goodness when it is there. Goodness, this, this virtue, an idea of excellence. So having said to them, look, make every effort to add goodness, then he says, and to goodness, oh, hang on, we've got to add something else. To goodness, um, knowledge, knowledge. Now, again, that's an interesting word. Um, knowledge born of personal experience. It is a knowledge that enables um, effective action and good decision-making. Knowledge. And that comes about by, first of all, a knowledge of Christ. How well do I know Jesus Christ? How well do you know him? For those who are visitors here, I hope you won't think we're taking advantage of the occasion, but do you know him? Because that's what Christianity is about. It's not about church, although obviously we believe in church, and it's not about preachers, and obviously they've got one here tonight. It's about him. Add to your goodness knowledge. And I would like to say to the graduates particularly, you've reached a certain standard of knowledge. And you've got a, a certificate and graduating on the basis of that knowledge. But you've got to add to it more knowledge. If you think, well, I know everything about Jesus because I've got a certificate, you are mistaken, my friends. There is something to be discovered about him every day. Knowledge of Christ. Knowledge about God's word. I have a constant battle at home. When I... Um, I lost, I didn't, when my office was, I no longer had a, an office as such, I gave my books to a missionary society and um, I had to pack them all in and took them in a van somewhere and I came away with a little tear in my eye as I left my books behind. But at the moment I'm discovering that I managed to hide some in the garage from my wife. And she'll say, where did that book come from? I say, um, Leave it with me. And then I put it back in the garage. You know, there's no room for the cup. No. And, uh, you know, I'm adding things all the time. Please, I'm still learning. My books, always look for a pastor who's a lot of books. Because it means he's saying to you, I don't know it all. I'm still learning. I'm still adding to faith, virtue, and to virtue, knowledge. A constant search to know his will. Then in verse 6 he says, and to knowledge, self control oh I don't like this one back to the fruits of the spirit here self-control you can have great understanding of scripture great theology you can look the part talk the part sing the part dance the part but listen friends if we haven't got self-control it can all vanish in a moment one moment of lack of self-control can bring a ministry to a conclusion quicker than you can imagine and so we're adding to this the virtue. We're adding to this, the, we've got the promises, we've got the power, we've got the nature. But still Paul is, Peter is saying, listen, you've got to add to this self-control. And when we have learnt self-control, and for me, I don't know about you, it's a challenge each time. It's a challenge. I'll be challenged driving home up the M1 for self-control when someone overtakes me on the inside. Does that, that happen in London now? It's happening all over in the motorways. Everybody seems to think you can overtake outside. And then, I'm just dreading the time to go through the middle of you. But you know, I don't, Gordon, self-control, don't beat your horn. Self-control. 
Thank you very much. Just overtake them and break harshly. No, I don't do that. I do not do that. And if there's any police officers here in traffic division, that was a joke. But self-control, I use a silly illustration. You know where your challenge for self-control is. You know where the enemy comes. And Paul's saying, Peter's saying, I'm going to keep saying Paul, forgive me. Peter's saying, listen, you've got to add this to it. You know, the the three things God's given you, these are seven things that you've got to go out and find. After that, we find in verse 6, he says, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance. Or the AV says steadfastness. That's a good word, steadfastness, perseverance. We've got to stick at it. The Christian life is, we need stickability. There's a good word. That's not in Greek. I don't know where that's from. Stickability. We've got to show perseverance, keeping at it whatever ministry you're involved in there will be times when you will be discouraged the greatest of saints in scripture found moments of discouragement it's then when perseverance comes and we add this to us we work at that we say listen when you feel like throwing in the ministry just remember who called you just remember who called you and until he gives you the sack you're still in Till he writes you the letter, till he gives you your P45, you're still serving him. Perseverance, sticking with it. And moving very quickly on, you've listened so well. Uh, perseverance, this perseverance, godliness. Notice a small G in my Bible, not a capital G. Godliness. True reverence for God. You know, um, Paul said to Timothy, exercise himself unto godliness. Um, there is a sense of training here where we seek to be godly we seek to say no that's not for me or no that is for me the chance where we have to make a choice and we add that to us of godliness seeking to be as godly with a small g not judgmental oh look at how holy i am i've never been accused of that that's for certain you know but knowing that the more we spend with Christ, the more we become like him. My wife is from Hull in East Yorkshire. And uh, on uh, this week, Saturday, yesterday, we met with some of her family from Hull. And when she gets with her niece, the Hull accent comes back really thick. It's amazing. I won't m- mimic it because I want a cup of tea when I get in, you know, and I, I can't make tea properly, you know. And... Um, you know, just being in this surrounding, just being with it. And some of you will know exactly what I mean from your accents, you know. And um, that godliness, by being in his presence, we begin to sound like him. We begin to act like him. We begin to respond like him. We'll never do it completely. But godliness is something, a true reverence for God. And sixthly, he says in verse 7 there, we've got to add something else. To godliness, brotherly kindness I hope we are always going to be kind I won't say his name because I've not got permission but um, one of uh, a friend of mine said these words to me he was talking to his wife and he said why did you go out with me and um, because I've got to say she's a lot better looking than him honestly if you, if you wanted to frighten people you'd know but 
you know, and it, it looks a mismatch in some ways, it's not, and they won't mind. If they were listening to this now, there'd be big smiles on their face. And she, he said to her, he was genuine, he said, why did you go out with me? They came from different stratas, one um, different uh, social stratas, he being a, a, a more working class area, she came from more professional, um, I'm walking down a political minefield here, but forgive me, I'm telling the story, don't fall out with me over that. And you know what she said? She said, I, she said, you were kind to me. Ooh, I could, you know, I'm, I know the man. I tell you, and he is kind. He is kind. And this young woman said, I'll go out. Why did you marry me? I think it was. Oh, why did you go out with me? And she said, you were kind to me. Some of the bachelors here need to hear that. <laughs> Not looking at any particular bachelors around, but you know, there's a clue there. You know, you were kind to me. I won't give his name, but until uh, I've got his permission. If I get his permission midweek, I'll let you know next week, okay? Brotherly love, you know, kindness, brotherly kindness, comma, and the seventh was love. We've got to add these to us. Why is love la the last to be mentioned? Is it because it's the least important? Of course not. It's probably because it's the most important. What holds that all together? What adds virtue, knowledge, self-control, you know, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness. What holds that all together? If you had to say, well, what word sums all of that up in one word? You'd say love. Yeah. Why was my friend kind to that young woman? Because he loved her. He loved her. And kindness just flowed out of it. Perseverance. All that goes with that. Kindness. And I add love. So graduates, Christian friends, may I just say this evening, know what you've got and know what you've got to get and get as many of that seven in your life as you can in abundance and you will know the joy and the purpose of being effective for Jesus Christ.